0: You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day.
1: Welcome to another episode of Time to Revive. I'm Mark Bird. I'm your host, and it is another super exciting episode that we have for you today. We're continuing our series on lifestyle evangelism, what evangelism looks like not through the eyes of Someone mustering up courage to go out and share the gospel, but for people to just do it in their everyday lives. And it doesn't look like someone standing on a street corner. And I'm joined today by a very special guest to me, Pastor Nate Wilcoxon from West Liberty Church of God. Nate, welcome to the program.
0: Hey, Brother Mark, it's good to be with you today. I'm thankful that you had me and I'm just uh, honored to be here this morning.
1: Yeah, and Nate is joining me in the studio. This is super fun. Haven't had Nate on the program for quite a while, but the beautiful thing about this is this is a pastor that has embraced and experienced a piece of revival and has always literally been walking this lifestyle out of evangelism, but I think his ministry now has been even more transformed by the power of God, and watching the body of Christ come alive. Nate, there was an article written by one of the writers in your own denomination by the name of Carl Stagner, and he wrote an article about you and your church, and he called it The Wonders in West Liberty. And for those listeners who may or may not know where West Liberty is, but what's the population of West Liberty in the town, Nate? There's not very many. It's a small town with two red lights in it, and uh,
0: we have a Thoman's grocery store. It's not very many; I don't know right off, but uh, it's a small town. It's a it's an old Mennonite town, and uh, we probably have eight or nine churches in that community.
1: Yeah, and of course, Jesus Himself, Nate said that the fields are wide unto harvest. And that's what grabbed my attention about this article right away. This writer, Carl, he wrote, unconventional approach yields unbelievable harvest. And Nate, it's amazing. And for time's sake, I won't be able to read the whole article or review it all. But one of the things that he said is the fruit that's happening. And then he begins to ask you some questions towards the end of the article, Nate. And I'm going to have you comment on this. And this is what the question was to you, Nate. Is this revival? What you're seeing, because Nate, what are you seeing in your church since you took over there? What are you actually seeing, Nate?
0: Brother Mark, so this January will be five years I've been there full time. And and, uh, the question was, is this revival in this church? And we have this knowledge of what we think revival looks like and uh, for me i believe it's just this is what normal christianity looks like being walked out in everyday life whether it's with your family on the streets and sharing the gospel of jesus christ so many times we think we can hold the revival and say hey we're going to have a three-day revival but when god moves in in your life there's true revival because all things are made new that we're a new creature in christ and to revive means to bring back to life well once we're born again in that moment in that moment right in there we give birth to new life and the holy spirit moves in and uh, gives us a new mind new heart gives us a new spirit so we are rebirthed we are birthed into the kingdom of god and through that we are revived and and that should do something to the believer that should do something to the christian that so much so that they've been resuscitated went from death to life and now they've been set free and the bible says to whom the son sets free is free indeed and when you are free of yourself you then will be able to go and share the gospel of jesus christ because you know what jesus has done for you and you 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 go out and you you praise him and there's a proclamation that that jesus is alive because he's done this for you in your life and this revive just like revive ohio you guys have the same, the same uh, feelings about going out and hitting the streets and, and just making it everyday life. This is normal Christianity. The sad part is, it's like a lot of these churches don't have anything to do with the community. They're not hitting the streets. They're not talking to people at the grocery store. They're not talking to the people at the gas station. So this is why four years ago, how many years ago, you came into to Logan County and did Revive Ohio, uh, Logan County, it was a, I believe it wasn't anything on your guys' behalf. I believe God sent you because the church doesn't know how to get out of the building. And praise God that He sends a people that, that shows up, identifies the issue and the problem, and has a solution. And Jesus said the Great Commission that we all know, too bad we all don't do it, but He said, go. He didn't say, stay. He didn't say, build a workshop. Right. He said, go into all the world making disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so with that, it gets down to us knowing what the Bible says, but we have to apply that to our life, Brother Mark.
1: And I love what Carl wrote in this article, Nate. And um, he says, West Liberty First Church of God has not unearthed a well-kept secret about church revitalization. And Nate, I've heard you say this multiple times, and why I'm repeating this, because it's not like you came up and reinvented a new formula. You didn't say, hey, you know what, let's come up with a brand new thing. Nate, all you said was, let's get back to the basics. And it's loving on people, It's sharing the gospel. It's making disciples. It's baptizing them. It is literally the Great Commission. The Great Commission isn't brand new, Nate. It's actually old. That's right. But the church, for some reason, for whatever reason, got away from doing it. Or maybe, and this is what I say frequently, Nate, I go, it's not where the church woke up one day and decided, you know what, we don't really care about the Great Commission anymore. I don't think the church said that. But I think practically the church is going, well, how do you do that in 2021? Like, okay, we're supposed to go into all the world. Well, man, what does that look like? It's a lot different today than it was back then. Here's my favorite part of this, Nate. Not only are you doing it and your church is growing because of it, but you're actually fulfilling the Great Commission because, Nate, you're making disciples in that church who in turn are making more disciples. So you're producing leaders. You're producing disciple makers. You're producing evangelists. You're producing all of the things that the body of Christ needs. And really, you're producing what the world needs, but the world just doesn't realize it yet. So Nate, talk about that, because this is what Carl wrote in the article. They consider what they're doing to be simple obedience to the Scriptures. Well, I'm
0: glad you brought that up, Brother Mark, because that's what I wanted to talk about, is the church needs an old-fashioned baptism with obedience. And um, with that being said, a few things that we stripped out of the church, it was tradition, structure, and time clocks. You won't find a clock in the building, and it's just due to the fact that we're coming here on a Sunday morning. Basically, almost every day of the week, we have something going on in this little church now. And, um, you know, and we've taken down the structure, and we've taken down the tradition and and I'm not saying that tradition is wrong there's a lot of things that are good with tradition but but if we get stuck in a rut and just because Sally used to do this for 50 years doesn't mean we need to be doing it and so in that we took these things down and we allowed the Holy Spirit to come in into that place and have reverence in that area that we serve an audience of one and whatever he looks like and whatever that Sunday looks like that's what we're going to do Our services are normally long. We start at 10.30 and we usually get out between 1.30 and 2 o'clock. We know that that's abnormal. But you know what? I look at it like this. If you only spend 45 minutes at church with Jesus, if you were to take that 45 minutes and spend that time with your wife or your husband, would you even have a marriage in a couple months? The reality is we wonder why we don't see the move of God. We don't see the power of God. It's because we come into these places and we just want to check the box and say, I've been the church instead of being the church. And when we are the church, we will follow him in obedience and what he tells us to do. And he already has told us what to do. He said, go. And see, man, when you read when Jesus sent the 70 out and they cast out demons, performed miracles. And man, you read what the church looked like today. How far has the church wavered? and what the early church looked like that we read about in the book of acts and and so in that i'm not worried or concerned about what all the other churches are doing i'm concerned about what god wants me to do as the leader in that church an under shepherd serving the shepherd over these sheep and with that just like what you said is true you know so we are raising up leaders and and it's not just about pastor nate they don't even call me pastor it's brother nate in there And there's no elevation and i have chair guys that could preach anytime i ask them and they sit behind me and we're raising up leaders all the time and uh, we could use more people helping just like in every church but we it's not about one pastor facilitating all these areas that's not biblical not one person can can have all the gifts and there's so many gifts that, that he distributes within the church and you see it when people have the freedom to be able to use those gifts in so many places, I believe that the that the pastor may be afraid to let someone take the stand, take the pulpit. You know, when my guys get up the chair, most places think that's to read the bulletin. We don't even have a bulletin no more. When my guys get up the chair, they went through the week just like I went through the week, and they're going to get up there, and they basically have a, a, a mini sermon net. Those brothers have... Usually something that God has given them and I give them the opportunity that they'll, they'll take 15 minutes and preach. And so inside of that, that's discipling, that's making leaders in the church. And so they can do exactly what you said, that they can go to their jobs and go to their families. And it starts with the family and then it starts with where you go to work and then it goes into the community. And that's the web of things and, and the transition of how we are to disciple each other so they can then indeed go out.
1: So, Nate, when you boil it all down, and this is what you do so well, you boil it all down. It's simple obedience to what God's telling you. But, Nate, you're talking about you threw out the clocks. And so yeah. nobody's under a, a clock or a, a time set or whatever constraint. But what happens, Nate, is if your folks have been in church maybe two or three times longer on a given Sunday than most people do. Well, isn't that enough? Haven't they worked overtime, Nate, enough to please God? (laughs) It is a rhetorical question. We are laughing together. But, Nate, there's got to be people that maybe even go to your church and they ask that. But I know there's lots of people on the outside, and I know, Nate, this. So, Nate, if your church is experiencing this explosive growth, and I know just because, for example, how Carl wrote this article about your church, and others are asking the same question, well, Nate, what program have you come up with that has allowed this explosive growth?
0: (laughs) Well, I'll I'll tell you like this, Mark, they had me at our general uh, meeting, our big meeting in Columbus, and they had me speak probably a couple years ago, and and, you know, we we spoke about, you know, a gentleman and brother was talking about programs and how programs, after two years, they work. And, and it was I was finding it very difficult to be in there. But so when it was my time to talk at the General Assembly meeting, the very first thing that come out of my mouth, and, and it goes true for today, and I'm going to tell you, is this. Everybody wants to know what's happening at West Liberty Church of God. What we don't do is we don't come in the name of programs. We come in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and the Holy Spirit. And right there in that moment, that, that whole gym, just they, you could just feel the Spirit in that room. And, and these brothers were excited. You cannot duplicate. You cannot, when the Holy Spirit comes in, we allow Him to come in and not quench the Spirit of God. Just get out of the way. We can't duplicate. We can't do anything. When he comes, you know he's there. And we see that in the fruit of his ministry, not Nate's ministry, his ministry. And there's no, you can't replicate it. And it's, His powerful presence comes in. And we see it in the lives. You know, our altars are filled every Sunday and people are down there praising the Lord. There's people down there getting saved and born again. And, and with these new births, we see the baptisms with this church is always, almost every Sunday we're giving these, these baptisms. We've done it in the cattle tank. We've done it in our baptism. We've done it in the river, wherever these folks want it. You know, we don't hinder the spirit when in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached his first strong message filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And in his message, it pricked the hearts of the people. And they said, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And on that day, the Bible says that God added to the church daily such of those being saved and 3000 people got born again and were baptized. How far have we come from that? We have spontaneous baptisms. You know why? Because I can back it up in Acts 2. There was no 12-week training class to see if you really are saved to get baptized or to study baptism. You either have it or you don't. You just don't see that in the Word. And so we're not going to quench the Spirit of God, Brother Mark.
1: And, Nate, you know, uh, again, I'm going to be facetious for just a moment. Again, uh, but here's the question, Nate. Here's the magic question. So there's somebody out there sitting, and they're listening, and they're saying, Wow, but you know what I really want to ask you, Nate? Like if we could have a private conversation like Nicodemus did with Jesus, (laughs) for no one can work the things that you're working except God be with you, Nate. But here's the question I think people may be even afraid to ask. But Nate, how do you talk the Holy Spirit into showing up?
0: Well, <laughs> I'm laughing at this question, but and so is it Brother Mark. But you know, so again, it comes down to this: when we come in, you know, I don't. I told Brother Mark today that I don't even like calling that the sanctuary because it's not the sanctuary; it's just a building. We are the sanctuary. We're the tabernacle of God. The Bible says that we are the temple of the living God. And so, when we come together as the church, the ecclesia of God, that called out, the congregation of that we come in together and we allow him, we usher him. When we come in to worship in our worship team, uh, normally we get started about 1045 and, and I have honestly I have a 15 minute grace period. So everybody comes and gets seated and stuff. And but when you're open, I, I've our worship team, they're awesome. They they worship to an audience of one. And when you what I mean by that they're not they're not singing to us. They're singing to him. And when they're worshiping God in song, because there's many ways to worship God, but in song as they're worshiping, they're ushering us and his presence into this room. And and it is it is by the Holy Spirit that we get anything accomplished in that in that room that we call the sanctuary. But God will show up. He does every Sunday. How do I know that? Why do I say that? Because folks, they walk that footage required to get down to that altar. Some don't. Even, we don't even have to wait till the end of the service. Our altar calls begin as soon as you walk through the six foot door. Many have hit the altar as we're worshiping in song, um, not at the end of the service, but at the beginning of the service, and so they know that. So we know the Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit knows that He is walking there on Sunday morning, or any time, as far as that goes. You know, it's like uh, one time I jumped off the the platform and I and I turned all the lights. There was like a gang of light switches, and I and I flipped them off. And I said, you know, this is how normal church people do it. And and I shut them off. And then I said, Lord, it's Sunday, it's Sunday morning. We're here at church. We wanna we wanna be here today. It's Sunday. This is what we do. And I flipped the light switch on. And I said, and then we would go to sing. The pastor would then preach his 28-minute message. And all wrapped together, there'd be about 45 minutes of, of what we would call church. And it's just like I'll say it to you and I'll say it to the people that are listening. You can go to church 52 times a year and go straight to hell. It's not about going to church. It's about being the church and being the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And you know what, Brother Mark? When we become salty, others will become thirsty. Yeah. Inside of that, that's what... I am seeing in this little church that has big worship down there in West Liberty, Ohio.
1: I want to call it a disciple-making factory. Like, I want to change the language. Like, Jesus, when he talked to his disciples, you cannot find anywhere in Jesus' instructions to his disciples where he said, Boys, make sure you're attending church. He didn't say that. In in the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't say that in any of the Gospels. And in Acts 1-8, what he commissioned them to do right before he ascended into heaven, he said, go into Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's what he told him to do, Nate. He could have said anything. Boys, make sure that you pray. Boys, make sure that you're worshiping. Boys, make sure that you're feeding the poor. He could have said any of those things that he indeed did teach, Nate. But never once did he say, boys, make sure you're gracing the synagogue each week. I'm not anti-church, as you well know. So I'm not preaching against the church. We wouldn't be probably sitting here talking if I was against the church. But Nate, the misconception is what church is supposed to be about. And you said it so well, Nate, the church is not a building. The church is us. It's the people. And here's the thing. God has provided us buildings to worship together in. And I love this. a, A pastor friend of mine who taught me many things made this statement to me many years ago, and he said, church is about a day to come together to mend your nets and prepare to go back fishing again tomorrow. That's good. And I love that, Nate. It stuck with me, obviously, because even fishermen that are real professional fishermen that, you know, fished with nets, they had to take time to repair their nets to do that. And what do you do? You come in, you start telling the fish stories. Now, I'm not saying church is supposed to be about fish stories, but it's supposed to be about testimony. Nate, I've been to your church multiple times. What do you do? You said, hey, let me have some testimonies about what you all went through this week. Not just the painful things, but the testimonies of living a life as a witness, and that's what we're talking about, lifestyle evangelism. Not that you have to have a name tag that says, I'm an evangelist, Nate. No, all evangelism means is someone that announces. So, Nate, your guys that you call your chairman in your church, all they are is announcers. They're announcing the good news. They're announcing, they're they're heralding. You know, newspapers have been called the herald, right? Because they're just heralding. They're just telling. And listen, what you've done, you've raised them up to say, boys, it's your turn to tell. And you just flip the switch. You pass the baton, however you want to say that, Nate. And that's what they do. They begin to become disciples of christ
0: that's right and inside of that that's real good brother mark and what we clearly need to see too is just as as the disciples walked with jesus for three years it was only until they were in the upper room experience that they all received the holy spirit and and jesus was not going to allow uh peter to preach his first message until he had the spirit of god Mm -hmm. inside of him and this this is very imperative this is this is a crucial crucial place is the Holy Spirit got a hold of Peter. And Peter preached his first message, just one message, and 3,000 people got born again. And he preached with conviction and power. And today in today's church world, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And and we might say, hey, we go to church, we got the programs, we got the best kids class, we got all these things, but yet do you have the power of God? And when we come into a church service and it's and it's 38, 45 minutes, an hour, and, and it's just It's just click, 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 and done, and and it's so structured. And then we wonder why we don't see the power of God. We don't see the move of God. And inside of that, it really comes down to the presence of the Holy Spirit in all these areas in our lives. Because when he's inside of us, he's not beyond us. He's not behind us. He is inside of us. And and when we truly know who we are, I believe the church today in 2021 has an identity crisis. They do not know who they are in Christ. One reason why they don't know is because they don't read their Bible. They are biblical illiterate. And inside of that, we have got to know what our sword says. The sword is the, the living word of God, and the sword and the spirit go hand in hand, and they will always agree with each other. In this little church of ours, we've seen, we've seen the drug addict. He's not shooting needles anymore, Mark. we the got the 30-year the, the drunk that's not drunk no more. And we've seen people uh, radically get transformed. I have a brother that was that alcoholic, and, and and he's been born again over three years. And he leads my life recovery uh, meeting every Monday. And we've had anywhere from uh, 40 to 60 people in these meetings. And these people come from all around. And, and you go in there, and you might hear some different language. You might see some things you, you probably wouldn't think that you would ever see. But what we're doing is we're reaching out into a fallen, sin-sick world, man. And we are meeting these people just like Jesus met the woman at the well. He already knew the dirty. He already knew the bad and the ugly. But he met this woman right where she was at. And that's what we do as a church. And all my brothers and sisters in leadership positions, we meet people at the well. They've heard me preach that. And when we meet people at the well... Guess what, Brother Mark? That woman, that woman, it wasn't even a man. It was a woman. And there's a lot of things to be said about that woman. But for time's sake, that woman went back and even forgot her pot. She ran back to her town and she started a revival.
1: She did, Nate. And you know what's amazing about that to me is... Uh, We begin to wrap this discussion up today, but I'm just thinking about that particular woman and what made the difference and what Jesus did. And here's the difference, Nate. This is what I think you're saying as well. The reason that droves and droves of people continued to follow Jesus is because every time he encountered a life, that life was changed. That's what people are looking for, Nate. They're looking for change, honestly, whether they admit it or not, but they're looking for an answer, a solution. They're looking to... Uh, a change, uh, 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 something to turn around in their own lives. And Nate, when they come to the well, per se, right? They come to the well, like Jesus promised the woman at the well, you drink from this well and you will never thirst again. That's right. It's so good. Nate, I apologize. It's been so long since uh, we've been discussing this stuff together. And so we're going to have to put a pin in it right here and continue us on on onto another episode. But man, we've got a lot to unpack yet, Nate, because we're learning and growing as well. And uh, I appreciate you tuning in, guys. We've got another exciting episode again next week. Be sure to join us again. But until then, I pray that you become an evangelist with a lifestyle of sharing the love of Christ as He has touched and changed your life, I pray that you would consider doing that for someone else. Thanks for tuning in to Time to Revive.
0: Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.